And often it is through his... Let's turn to James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Talk about Elijah this morning. James chapter 5, 17 and 18. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're thankful to be here this morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Together, these things bring us understanding, Lord, and we are grateful for the understanding. As dim as we are, Father, and as difficult as it is for us to understand sometimes, we are grateful that you are persistent and tender and loving, and that you teach us and you draw us out and you do things with us and in us, Lord. We're so grateful. Lord, help us to, to see in this process uh, your loving sanctification to your people and the providential exercise of your will. So bless us with understanding, we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Of course, this little passage refers to uh, the incident during Elijah's prophetic ministry uh, to northern, the northern kingdom of uh, Israel during the reign of uh, the wicked king Ahab and his Tyrian queen Jezebel. The prophets whose exploits were so spectacular and the manner of his being taken to heaven was so remarkable. He was one of the most popular figures among Jews. He was celebrated for his powerful miracles and his prophetic denunciation of sin. Most of all, however, he was looked on, he was looked for as the helper in time of need, whose coming would pave the way for the Messiah to come. Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, we read, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So the, the forerunner was going to be someone who was a ministry similar to that of Elijah, a prophetic one bringing the word of God to them. But it's not that special prophetic endowment or unique place in history that interests James. I mean, that's part of who he is, of course, Elijah. But James is interested in pointing out to us that this powerful man of God was a man like us, a human being like us, even as we are. So James is saying that to let us know that that. Elijah was like us, with all the foibles and the weaknesses and the troubling attitudes, etc., that we have. Yet God was able to work great and wonderful things through his ministry. James highlights the fervency of Elijah's prayer with the, the, the use of a Semitic cognate. It's a construction that you often see in the Hebrew. It says, Elijah, in prayer he prayed. So you get this, this sort of doubling down of the prayer activity as Elijah was praying. In prayer he prayed. So in the very thing that he is trying to accomplish, he is doing. And in the doing of it, he accomplishes. James wants his readers to recognize that this power of prayer is available not just to super people, super saints, but also to folks like us. 
It's available to all who are sincerely following the Lord, not just to a special few. So Elijah, the servant of God, was kind of an outdoor type. We know the guys that like he's talking about, people who work outdoors. Uh, maybe they're environmentalists, maybe game wardens. Uh, you know, they're outside all the time. And it leaves a mark. You know, they have ruddy cheeks, they have bleached hair, etc. Uh, Elijah was like that. Um, <clears throat> he was uh, dressed strangely. I know what that's like. He was strange in his appearance. He was fleet of foot, a marathon runner. He had a rugged constitution. He, in the ninth century BC, he was on the paleo diet still. He dwelt in caves, and he had a sense of humor. I like when the priests of Baal were screaming to their god to come and light the, the altar. Elijah says, you should uh, yell louder. Maybe he's in the can. You know? I thought that was funny. You know? He had great strengths. He had uh, wonderful faith. There were several times in his life when Elijah demonstrated great faith in God. In the confrontation with Ahab and Jezebel at Nahal Karat, uh, east of the Jordan, where he was fed by ravens and, and watered by a stream there. When he was with the widow of Zarephath and her little son, in extreme pro- poverty, right? Leaning on this old woman to feed him and care for him when she was barely able to do that for herself, yet God provided. God provided both of them in miraculous ways. When the little boy died, and Elijah came and spread himself out on the boy and prayed earnestly to God. God raised him. And in so doing, taught that Sidonian woman that there is God in Israel. And Elijah is his prophet. In his confrontation with the priests of Baal and Asherah on Mount Carmel, and is ushering the downfall of both Ahab and Jezebel, he exercises great faith. He was obedient to the Lord. Uh, It was almost without any concern for his own safety. Uh, Out in the wilderness by himself, existing with the widow of Zarephath, and repeated confrontations with Ahab and Jezebel, always in danger. He was very courageous. On numerous occasions, Elijah showed great courage by risking his life in order to make a stand for God in front of the people and in front of Ahab hoping to encourage them to return to the worship of Yahweh and turn away from Baal. For Elijah, it was God's will and not his own. As we read in 1 Kings chapter 18, it says, At the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that these people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. It was his desire that God be glorified in his people, and that's what drove him in his prayers and in his service. But he was, as remarkable as his life was, he was a regular person, a human being, He experienced anxiety and fear. Right after that 
amazing moment on Mount Carmel, you would think he would be as high as a kite. And yet he heard that Jezebel was after him to do to him what he had done to the priests of Baal. And so, gripped with fear, he took off and ran eventually down to Mount Horeb, where God exercised in front of him in the mountain, but spoke to him in that quiet voice. He was inconsistent, often prone to ups and downs. Uh, you might say we see in him some aspects of, uh, of depression, as he would become so weighted down with concern and anxiety that he would feel like he was the only one who was out there working for God's glory. But God in his patience said, no, Elijah, you know, you're not the only one. I have a remnant that I have reserved for my glory. And encouraged Elijah in that way. He was human. And he shone his humanness occasionally. The insights of his prayer, however, shows us how Elijah was used powerfully by God. This lesson Elijah supplies is that ordinary believers who enjoy a lively, faithful prayer life are employed by God in his service and in service to his sovereign will and glory. He was an ordinary person with extraordinary effect. And he's with good company in the, in the Bible. Abraham, Moses, Eleazar, Abraham's steward. Hannah, the mother of Samuel. Daniel, King David. Elisha, the protege of Elijah. Esther, and the Israelite exiles in Babylon. Peter, Stephen, Paul, and Epaphras. All ordinary people with extraordinary effect. How does this work? How can we join that group? Well, I think we are part of that group. We are joined to that group. We are called to pray. To pray and so join ourselves with the will of God in a profound way. To seek his face. To learn about him. To become so versed in who God is and what he desires that our will is joined with his will. And our will becomes God's will in effect. And God leads us in prayer, reveals to us his desires for us, and often works through our prayers to bring about his will on earth. We've all heard the, uh, the ACTS help for prayer. Uh, it begins with adoration. Obviously, the Lord doesn't really need us to adore him. He was fine for eternity before we ever came along. He got along just fine without our worship before we were born. But if we were created to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, we cannot fulfill that purpose if we do not praise him, if we do not adore him. You see, God has called us to love him. God has called us to adore him, to praise him, to worship him. And when we do that, we are fulfilling our created purpose. When we do that, we are obedient. And as we do that, God shares himself with us in profound ways. And as prayer life goes on, we are shown glories and wonders of the kingdom of God that can only be learned in those intimate moments with God. 
we are called not only to adore, but also to confess. Our Father knows our sins. He knows our sins. He knows us intimately. He knows all about us, yet loves us. So he calls us to confess because it's good for us. There's no greater relief, in fact, than to confess our sins and thereby gain a new sense of God's forgiveness. How wide and how deep is the love of God? Well, as we sometimes rehearse our, our sins, as we confess our sins, we are reminded how much God has forgiven through Jesus in order that we may enjoy a conversation with God to be called his children. And I think that's the, that's the purpose of our memory, you might say, in a way, to remember what God has done for us and in us so that we don't come, become complacent, so that we don't take it for granted, right? But that we remember, once I was lost, once I was blind, once I was dead. But Jesus raised us. He filled us with his spirit to do his will. And in prayer, we get to remember that. We get to rejoice over it. We get to wonder at God's love that would allow him to do that, to bless us so richly and abundantly. Through prayer, we can express our gratitude to him. The Lord does not feel slighted if we fail to thank him. In fact, I don't thank him for all kinds of stuff. I don't thank him for the, the little boy in Bangladesh who wasn't bitten by that cobra on his way home from work. Didn't, didn't even think about it until just now. But God did that. God does that. You know, he provides meals for widows in Romania. You know, I didn't pray for that. But he did it anyhow. Right? I didn't thank him for things that he has delivered me from because I'm not aware of it. You know, and I'm sure there's all kinds of stuff. You know, on my weekend in the mountains with my son and grandson, I fell in a hole. Not gracefully either. I mean, I fell in a hole. It's like, yahoo! And I was spared any injury. It was amazing. I didn't get a busted shin. I didn't get cracked open like an egg. None of that stuff. You know? And I climbed out eventually of the hole with help from my two younger uh, relatives. So God delivers us. He blesses us. He enriches us. He fills us. And we thank him for it because in prayer we become more familiar with all those things. And we realize how awesome and excellent God is in his loving kindness to us, people who had been in rebellion to him. God-haters, adulterers, etc. Forgiven and raised and filled for God's purposes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Prayer... Among all the other purposes, it is a help to us. I mean, we don't really change God's mind. I mean, his will is his will. He is determined to do what he will do. Our prayer blends with that. It associates itself with that. It identifies with God's will to such a degree that it becomes harmonious with God's will. And then God uses our prayers to accomplish his will. What a glorious thing. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 19. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now there's a mechanism described by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians that filled Elijah for his purposes. And it turned Elijah from a weak, depressed Israelite into a powerhouse for God's will. That same mechanism is available to us who believe. God's Holy Spirit, to fill us for God's purpose. We engage more effectively through prayer. So James calls us to pray. Paul says pray. Jesus says pray. Brother Lawrence says pray. Pray. In supplication, it's that part of prayer where we feel the tension with providence so strongly. First, we must affirm that prayer cannot change God's eternal decrees. We know that. In his hidden will, his unrevealed will to man, the Lord has already determined what will come to pass, and nothing can alter his plan. Yet, prayer does change things in one sense. Today's passage tells us that Elijah's prayers affected Israel's weather. First, it didn't rain because of Elijah's prayer, and then it did rain because of Elijah's prayer. God was working through Elijah to bring awareness of Israel's behavior to the Israelites, specifically to King Ahab, to show him the error of his ways and to bring him back. Yes, even Ahab, creepy old Abraham, or Ahab and his wacky wife Jezebel, to bring them back into relationship with God. Because it was all of Israel that God was after. All of their hearts. He was calling back to faithfulness with him. Elijah teaches us that the Lord used his prayer to reveal and fulfill his intent. All that was possible because God is faithful in all his ways. By praying, Elijah was schooled in God's faithfulness taught in God's providential ways, and enlisted in God's unfolding revelation and acts of providence. Elijah devoted himself to prayer because he was devoted to God. Elijah wanted to reflect him and desired to serve him. And God answered his prayers. The early church, you know, likewise was dedicated to prayer because they were devoted to Jesus. They knew Jesus. They had seen Jesus. They had heard of Jesus from friends of theirs, from the apostles who were there for all of it. So they were dedicated. They were impassioned and lifted by the resurrection, by the ascension, and by Pentecost. And they lifted their praise to God's throne. Luke gives us a taste of their prayer when Peter and John were released after they had healed it lame beggar. Acts 4, 29 and 30. 
And now, Lord, look upon the threats of the Sanhedrin and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and give signs and wonders as are, are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And God heard their prayer and God answered their prayer. They persevered in prayer because they knew that God heard them. They knew that God's sovereign will had been accomplished at the cross. Their prayer, like Peter's preaching, had been transformed by their understanding of that cross, what Jesus did for them. They had been rescued, made whole, and reassigned from sin and death to life and service in the kingdom of God. They, not abandoned, but filled with the Holy Spirit and transformed to God's will, prayed, and prayed earnestly. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And the Christians believed that. And they prayed. And God answered their prayer. In all kinds of ways. In the, in the, in the multitude of ways that the, your prayers were answered, people learned about who God was. Learned about his loving kindness, his tenderness towards his little flock. And he lifted them up and encouraged them, despite living hard lives under persecution. Despite the difficulties of life in those days with sickness and challenges left and right. Still they persevered, they prayed, and God heard their prayers. And God answered them. We may not know God's eternal decrees, but we do know that he uses prayer to accomplish them. We must pray believing that our intercession impacts events because our sovereign Lord hears us and uses us to bring about his purposes. Whether he says yes or no, God works through our supplications to execute his glorious plan. Just like Elijah, ordinary people, extraordinary effect. Elijah was a human being as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Power through weakness to shame evil and to bring glory to God in the highest. Praying produces prayers whom God uses to accomplish his will. And God will answer your prayer. Let's pray.